0: Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Signs are very important. Signs show us where to go, which way to turn, when to stop. Signs are all over the place. We have them in this building to tell you where to go to the bathroom even. Signs. As my kids have been getting older and learning how to read, I've been trying to teach them how to pay attention to signs because signs can make a big difference. I've I've tried to teach them while we're hiking on the trails how to pay attention to a trails map and find your location and even how to pay attention just to the natural signs that exist like, hey kids, do you see which way the stream is flowing and which side of the stream we are on? Pay attention to what's around you. They have started paying attention, unfortunately, to the speed limit signs uh, and ask me constantly how fast I'm driving, which I loved to do to my father when I was growing up and now it's coming back to bite me. The last time that we flew together as a family uh, in an airport, we were at a, in a major city and uh, just for fun, I had my uh, older kids try to get us from one place to the next. So once we got to the airport and got our, our tickets, I said, Hey kids, why don't you see if you can uh, find your way to our gate? You know, and I, I pointed out how to follow the signs to the gate, and they did it. They got us there. And once we got off the plane in a new city, I said, Why don't you see if you can find the way to baggage claim? And they loved it. They said they had never paid attention like that to signs before. Signs are important. Paying attention to these things that have been established in advance of us are good, and not paying attention to the right signs can sometimes actually be deadly. In our story today, uh, the story, chapter 6, God told Moses to send 12 spies, one for each tribe of Israel, into the promised land. They hadn't been in the wilderness all that long. God was taking them right there. And, and so God said, send 12 spies in and have them see what it's like. <laughs> and Moses also gave them instruction. Hey, I, when you come back, can you actually bring some grapes too? It's been a long time since I've had some grapes. I got to hanker in for some fresh fruit. So the spies were in the wilderness, or in the, I mean in the promised land for 40 days. And they came back with Grapes and pomegranates and figs. And they came to Moses and to the whole assembly. And they showed the fruit to everyone. And they said, This we went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here, here look, it's fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Uh, the Anakites, uh, these were people who were thought to be large people, tall, big people, powerful and skillful warriors. Ten of the twelve said this, but two out of the twelve, named Joshua and Caleb, they had a different tone, a different report. Caleb actually stood up to these ten and he said, No, we should go up and we should take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But then the other 10 came back and they said, well, we can't attack these people. They're so big, they're stronger than we are. And those 10 started spreading rumors in the camp, starting creating a fear campaign. People started wondering and worrying, saying, well, we can't go and fight these people. We're too scared. They're gonna, they're gonna take our children and our wives as plunder. Genuine fear. Fear. And so they started stirring amongst themselves saying, we need new leaders. We don't want to follow Moses anymore. Let's go back to Egypt. I know we were slaves, but at least we could live there. And Caleb and Joshua said, guys, please listen. The land is good. God is leading us to this land. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid. We will devour these people, for the Lord our God is with us. God is with us. We don't need to be afraid. But then the whole assembly planned on stoning Caleb and Joshua because of these words. A revolt is about to take place, <laughs> a riot. And so God has to come and intervene. <laughs> God has to come and intervene. It's like the parent, I don't know if you parents have had this, where your children are squabbling, maybe in a room where uh, the door is closed and you hear the squabbling and hear the voices start to elevate amongst the children. You think, I, I just want to see if they can solve this conflict on their own. So you let it go for a little while and then eventually you realize, I better step in. So you open the door and say, what in the world is going on here? That's kind of what God's got to do in this situation. And so God comes to speak to Moses face-to-face, as God does frequently with Moses. And when God comes and speaks to Moses in the midst of this, God is he's not too happy. God actually says this, Numbers 14, 11, He says, how long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? in spite of all the signs that I have performed among them, why won't they believe in me? God has done remarkable things for these people. Actually, the authors of the story often put a little transitional text in here. If you're reading along, you'll notice the authors. And and the authors summarize very well in this chapter. On page 71, they say this, God had already rescued his people from slavery. He'd showed them his power. He'd guided their steps. He'd given them his law. He'd gifted them with his presence. By now, perhaps the people would trust God and his leading. All of these things that God has done, right? And now they won't believe in him. A big part of the problem is that these people are missing the signs of God. They're distracted, not paying attention, or at least paying attention to the wrong things. Not paying attention to the signs can be costly. Last week, my family and I uh, did a quick run down to Green Bay for an appointment. Nothing, nothing serious, don't worry, uh, but we were, we were heading down there together as a family And on the way down, some of you know this route, uh, like the back of your hand from here to Green Bay, and we were driving on Highway 8, heading towards 141, and and as we were going along on this route, we were getting really close to 141. My wife, Abby, and I, we were talking in the front, the kids were watching a movie in the back, all was well. And and I was, honestly, I was paying attention to the signs, so much so that I was actually pointing out to Abby where we were. I was saying, see, we're on Highway 8, 141's right up there. I could see the intersection. And I said, we're going to hang it right and head south. So we did that, and, and as I'm rolling up to the stop sign at 141, we hear this, I don't know, honking-type sound. And, and Abby said, what is that noise? And I said, ah, it's probably something from the kids' movie. And then we said... No. We turn around, and there is a train crossing the train tracks right behind us, right across Highway 8 that we had just crossed maybe 10 seconds before. Now, I don't know. I have no evidence of any malfunctioning of the signs, but I'm just assuming I drove right past the big red flashing lights saying, a train is coming. Now, don't worry, there were no, none of those big barricade arms there. I'm not that dumb that I would drive past a barricade, except there was another time on the way to Green Bay. I don't know what it is about Green Bay. See, this is why I choo- choose to cheer for the Vikings. I think Green Bay's trying to kill me. Uh, another time on the way to Green Bay, no joke, my wife, Abby, and I were driving, and uh, I think we were on the U and N deal, County Highway, something or other, and... And we were driving along, and it, as my recollection says, we're driving down the highway, going 55, because maybe 60 or something. Anyways, we're driving down the highway, and just, you know, fields on the sides, enjoying the day, and all of a sudden, there's a pickup truck in our lane, just stopped right there, and we come up, and I'm thinking, why is he just parked here? And he get, jumps out of the vehicle, and he waves his arms at me, and I think, well, I better stop, so I stop. He said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, the bridge is out right, right there. And I said, what? And I mean, I could see it. And there, were no, there was no construction vehicles, no barricades at this point, just a road with a bridge missing. And if we had kept going, I don't know what would have happened. But I said, where were the signs telling me that this road is closed? He said, miles back behind you. I said, you got to be kidding me. So we turned around, headed back, I don't know what had happened, but yeah, there were big orange barricades that said road closed, bridge out, detour. And I just uh, missed it, I guess. Not paying attention to the signs, getting distracted, it can be costly, even deadly. If you don't pay attention to God's word, it can be deadly. The Israelites in this situation, they have... (laughs) been saved they have been delivered for them being set free out of slavery crossing the red sea this is their salvation they have received salvation from their enemies god has done it for them and so when god says why do they refuse to believe in me i've saved them That's what they're missing. They're forgetting the sign of their salvation. The same goes for us, for everybody in this world. We are people who salvation has been given to us. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, not the crossing of the Red Sea, but the deliverance from death to life, from sin to forgiveness, it is ours in Jesus' But so often in our lives, man, we get distracted. We get distracted by all the fears of this world, all the giants, all the opposition, all the threats. But we also get distracted by all the opportunities, all the promises of success and wealth and prosperity. All of these things calling out to us, inviting us to follow them. But when we neglect the sign of salvation in Jesus Christ, it's deadly. Eternal death. If you neglect what Jesus has done, the Bible says that's eternal death. But the greatest sign that we have for us is the cross. The empty tomb, it's already done. Just like God is saying to the Israelites, I've already done it. God is saying to us, I've already done it for you. I've already forgiven you. I've already saved you. Do you not see? We so often miss the sign of Jesus' love for us. The people of God missed the sign. There's a popular saying That maybe you've heard it's the saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. I realized that when putting this on here for the the screen uh, today, that I've been saying this phrase wrong my entire life. I've always said you can't see the forest through the trees, but I guess that's wrong, and it actually doesn't make any sense. The actual it is actually hotly debated online if you want to go look at it. I got myself into a wormhole. Uh, but the original phrase is you can't see the forest for the trees. And for means because of. So you can't see the forest because of the trees. Maybe you know this. Which is a saying, basically saying like you get, you get caught up looking at each individual tree, each individual problem, each individual thing. You can't even see the fact that you're in a forest. I think this is what happened to the spies uh, as they're in the promised land. They got so caught up, they couldn't see the bigger picture, that that God is the one doing all of this. They lost sight of God's power, God's presence, God's promise. They lost sight of it all. They forgot about all that God had promised to do, and all they saw were the giants and the giant walls, and they forgot that God was in it all. Can't see the forest (laughs) because the trees are in the way. I'm going to take you back to that scene, Uh, As the people are revolting against God, revolting against Moses, ready to raise up a new leader and bring them back to Egypt. At this point, God is actually very angry. I told you, God is angry. And God comes to Moses and he says to Moses, I'm going to strike them down with a plague and destroy them. These are God's words. He's not talking about the enemies. He's talking about his own people. I know it's hard to believe. But God is so frustrated with them their lack of belief. But Moses pleads to God, intervenes on their behalf, intercesses for them, and he says, no, God, please, you are slow to anger and abounding in love and forgiving rebellion. This is who you are, God. And God relents, and God responds with these words, okay, I have forgiven them. I've forgiven them, Moses, as you asked. Nevertheless, As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. What this means is that God is saying that all the people who originally lived in Egypt, the first generation, none of them get to go to the promised land. God's not going to destroy them with a plague. He's just going to wait it out until they're all dead. And the next generation, the second generation, those who were born in the wilderness, they will get to enter the promised land. It was because of the disobedience of this first generation that it cost them literally their lives. Their neglect of God's word and his promise, their disobedience, now they need to die and the next generation needs to rise up. Now fast forward to the time that this has happened. The first generation has died. The second generation is here. It's 40 years later now. 40 years. And Moses is hopeful that this next generation will be better. We're going to find out that they're not so much. But Moses, Moses is so determined that these people will honor God's word and not forget who they are and who God is. So Moses gives them this final pep talk. This final, come on guys, remember who God is. He wants them to see the whole forest and not just the trees. So Moses says this, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. He says, therefore choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. Moses is saying, follow God's word because God's word is life. God's word is life. When you don't pay attention to the word of life, it leads to death. But when you pay attention to God's word, he is your life. Every single person I know who at some point was an unbeliever and has become a believer in Jesus, every single person has always told me the same thing. They told me when I didn't believe in Jesus, I felt like I was lost. I don't know if I knew those words, but I felt it. I know now I was lost. Lost in the trees. Lost on a road with signs pointing everywhere, not knowing which way to go lost in the chaos and the mess of the world. But once they met Jesus and realized who he was, they say to me, I know that Jesus is the way and that Jesus is the truth because Jesus is life. The call to us is to be people who pay attention to this life, this word of life, to pay attention and to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus to keep the cross ever before you because this world you know is throwing all kinds of things at you, all kinds of trees. See the forest. God has made a world for you through it all. His name is Jesus. And it is a wonderful life. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and you will see that in him you are truly alive in Christ. In his name, amen.